Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Get enhanced security for your Wi-Fi network with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back to the MD Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. So glad to have you all back and ready to go for our second episode on our draft analysis for fantasy implications. Today, we are going over the running backs and wide receivers. If you did not have a chance to listen to the quarterbacks and tight ends episode from a couple of weeks ago, make sure you go on to your favorite podcast app. You can try Spotify, iTunes, Spreaker, Podbean, Anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, the MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available for you. Also, you can go directly to the website, www.mdffshow.com, for all of the latest news. Also, have a bunch of other stuff on there for you as well, not just the latest episodes, but I got the free agent tracker that's been up and going and updating constantly for you so you know exactly who is on what team and following along with their contracts. I have the all of the combine results from the NFL draft prospects that attained attained, attended the combine itself. I also have the draft order up there for you, the most updated draft order, so you can look at all the picks, see where all the teams are. And of course, I have the 2018 fantasy season results for PPR, standard, and half-point PPR, so you can go back and take a look and do your homework and do your research. That is all on the website, www.mdffshow.com. All right, before we get into today's episode, I do want to give you a little quick tidbit on some news that's been going on. Chris Hogan signed with the Carolina Panthers. I don't think this means a whole hell of a lot as far as Chris Hogan is involved. I don't think it gives a big boost to Cam. At the end of the day, it's just Chris Hogan is going to be one of the starting outside wide receivers when the Carolina Panthers decide to go three wide with Cam Newton. The other one to keep you updated on is Russell Wilson signed his big-time contract, if you haven't heard already. So if you're one of those people who thought maybe Russell Wilson would look to move on from Seattle after this season, that will not be the case. $140 million, five years. Russell Wilson's going to be locked into Seattle for a long time to come. All right, 
So before we get into the content, if you if you did listen to the quarterbacks and tight ends episode from a couple of weeks ago, and like I said, if you haven't, please go back and listen. But if you did, you know that the names that we talked about on that list were on there because they met one of three requirements. The three requirements were, one, you have to be somebody that is going to be a consensus draft pick somewhere in the first seven rounds. The second thing that you had to have was you had to have a name that I know a lot of people are going to hear quite a bit about leading up into the draft process. Therefore, they need to be somebody that we talk about here on this show because people are going to want to know who these guys are they're going to hear about. The third requirement was that you needed to be able to have a unique skill set that flashes out to me that will make me think that you will be fantasy relevant. Now remember, for the quarterbacks and the tight ends, I only needed you to make one of those requirements to be a player on the list that I talked about within that episode. For the running backs and wide receivers, it's a little bit different because there's a lot more running backs and wide receivers that are draft eligible Uh, obviously, and that a lot more running backs, wide receivers that meet at least one of those requirements. So to cut down the list so this podcast wouldn't wind up being, I don't know, three hours long because it very well could have been had I gone through each and every single one, I made it so you had to have at least two requirements. So you have to be someone who's definitely going to be drafted in the first seven rounds and be a name that people are going to talk about or be somebody who has a unique skill set that I think is going to be fantasy relevant and then for wanted to talk about you on the show as well. So those, I needed you to have two of the three requirements in order to make this list. So I was able to cut down the list a little bit, still have a lot of guys to get through in this podcast. So what I'm also going to do that's going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be as deep of a dive into each and every player, the way the quarterbacks and tight ends were, where I was able to kind of go into basically a decent amount of summarized scouting reports on my part for you on each and every player. This one, I'm pretty much going to stick to a very simple formula, which is going to be, I'm going to give you what my player comp is. I'm going to give you what I think their strengths and weaknesses are and whether or not they have redraft or dynasty value potential down the road or not at all. So it's going to kind of go boom, boom, boom like that down the list for these players. That way we can talk about all the guys that I feel like need to be mentioned on the show without the show going overly long, so you'll actually still listen. And I try to keep these shows about an hour long. I know my free agent one was a little bit longer than that, but I try to keep it about an hour long or so for your easy, convenient purposes, so that when you're driving in the car to and from work, you can kind of listen to an episode to take up your drive. That is that is the point. That I don't want to go too much longer than that, because usually once you get over that, people normally don't have the time anymore uh, and want to listen. And I can't be, and I can be entertaining for so long as you know as well. So that's what you're gonna look for in this show right now. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take a quick break right here. I'm gonna come back on the other side and start off with the running backs. Spreaker is the preferred podcast app of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. It has an extensive library and an easy-to-use app. Plus, for each listen, Spreaker will pay the show a percentage of the ad fees. All of that money gets put directly back into the show to enhance your entertainment and informational needs. Plus, it's a great free app for you, the listener, so it's a win-win for all. All right, so getting into the running back list here 
First, I want to say for the running backs overall, I was not very enthused with this class. Now, it's been very well documented up to this point, if you've been paying attention at all to the NFL draft, that this class does not have a running back like a Saquon Barkley or an Ezekiel Elliott or a Todd Gurley. It doesn't have that bona fide, can't-miss superstar to take early on in the first round. Now, it does have some guys who offer some upside and have some talents, and there does seem to be a variety of different opinions out there as far as which ones will be the best ones. I personally, as we go through this, you will see, only think there are two guys in this running backs draft class that has a chance to become a star level running back at some point in their careers. Just two guys. Outside of that, everyone else I think is either a guy, a backup player, or could be a starter, but it's just not a guy who's going to be a star for a long period of time. So let's go through this. Our first name up that we're going to talk about here is Benny Snell. Again, remember, if you listen to my quarterbacks and tight ends, it's going to be just like that. These names are not listed in any sort of ranking order. Benny Snell is not my number one guy. He's not my 10th guy. I just have my list of guys that I went through, and this is how this is the order of which I pretty much did my research, essentially, is what it boils down to. So, Benny Snell, out of Kentucky, 5'11", 223, ran a 4.66 in his 40 combine. A lot of people seem to like Benny Snell, and that's why he makes his list. He's going to be drafted in the first seven rounds, and he's a guy that you need to know about because his name is going to come up quite frequently, especially with a lot of guys seemingly liking him as a sleeper-ish type guy who's going to be going on maybe in the third or fourth round of this draft. I am not a Benny Snell fan. I don't see what the special thing is about him at all. My comp for Benny Snell is Zach Zenner because I think he's just that slow. He's just that much of a depth chart filling guy at the back end. There's nothing special about him. He's not overly big, so he's not an overly uh, an overly candidate to have to be a goal line back. That is, so he doesn't strike me as that guy. He's too slow to be anything explosive, especially when he gets to the second level. He doesn't have any kind of wiggle whatsoever. He looks to run over a guy. That's the only way he can get past to, to the third level. And he's not going to be running over anybody uh, in the NFL, especially with the linebackers, even though they are getting smaller. He's still going to be just as big as they are. So you're not going to be doing that. I don't know what the big deal is. He's not a guy who comes out of the backfield for his size and surprises you with his catching ability at any kind of capacity. He has some power. Maybe they try to make him a goal line specialty back, but that's why I comped him to Zach Zenner. I think he's someone in a similar situation where a team's going to have the idea that he could be a goal line back, but he's really not going to wind up being that productive. Benny Snell is not somebody who I think is going to wind up having any kind of fantasy value down the road in their career, redraft, dynasty, or anything else otherwise. Bryce Love, on the other hand, who's the next running back we're going to talk about, very different story. Look, there's a, there's a, you're going to hear a wide range of analysis and opinions on Bryce Love. I, I would go as far as to say that he may be the most versatile player as far as what you're going to hear his skill set and potential will be uh, in the NFL because, and it's it's for good reason. He has two very different kinds of tape. 2017, Bryce Love was ready to light the world on fire. He was ready to come into this year and be the number one running back uh, on most people's NFL draft boards, and that just didn't wind up being the case. 
He sustained an ankle injury early on, and 2018 just didn't look anything the same. Now, whether that was the injury lingered on for the entire season because he tried to play through it and never quite healed from it, what I'm going to go with that's more likely the case because he truly did not look like the same player from 2017 to 2018. In 2017, this guy looked like a player who had Reggie Bush type potential and I comped him to being Reggie Bush light I still don't think he's going to quite have the career Reggie Bush had which was a solid career he didn't want to be the superstar that we all thought he was going to be when he got drafted in the top two picks from the New Orleans Saints but he did go on to have a kind of quietly solid career quietly in the sense that once he wasn't going to be a superstar people kind of stopped paying attention to him but he was a guy who could run he could catch he could still do a little bit of everything he wasn't going to be a superstar at any one in particular thing but he had the skill set to come in and be the perfect compliment back to somebody. He was the perfect compliment to Deuce McAllister. I think Bryce Love could be in a very similar situation where if he can compliment the right guy in the right system on the right team, then I do think he could have a uh, fantasy-relevant career for a while, especially be given that he is a good pass catcher and he does have wiggle, he does have explosion when he has the ball in his hands on the perimeter to be able to do something with it. Now, obviously he's not a big guy. He's not a guy you're going to give the ball to 20 times a game. He's never going to be a featured guy. He's going to have to be a compliment and early on in his career, he's going to be primarily a third down back in that sense. So, we're going to have to see what happens, but he can block, so it does lead me to think that he will get his opportunity to play sooner rather than later. You know how important it is for young running backs to be able to block in order to be able to get on the field, especially if you're going to be a guy who's going to be playing on third downs quite often to be a pass-catching guy. So we'll see. If he gets his explosiveness back that he had in 2017, I do think this is a guy who can make himself relevant again, especially in fantasy circles. I don't think he has any redraft value. I think it's going to take... I think he might get an opportunity, depending on where he goes, to maybe make a name for himself halfway through this season so he is somebody who I think you should have on your watch list if you're in redraft leagues is somebody you might want to pick up later on in the season but I would take a shot on him in dynasty leagues and I think down the road is where Bryce Love could have his potential probably my best sleeper of the running back class even though he's not gonna be much of a sleeper because a lot of people are going to be talking about this guy uh, as you get closer to the draft process here so the next guy up we got to talk about is Damian Harris I actually didn't even wind up comping Damian Harris it was kind of very difficult to do so because he's 5'11 215 but I think he's more of a pass catching back than he is a power running back who can give the ball to 20 times a game him and Josh Jacobs were in a timeshare there in Alabama, so that's one of the things that kind of it's hard to tell because we don't know. Maybe if he wound up being able to get a bulk of the carries, we would have been get a better idea of what kind of runner he is. He does seem to be a downhill runner when he does get the ball in his hands, but he's not that explosive when he gets through the line of scrimmage. He'll hit the hole as hard as he can, but he does not explode through the hole. And that was something that definitely stood out to me while watching his tape. He does a little bit of everything. Like he passes, he catches the ball, obviously. He was their main pass catcher. Uh, he, he tries to hit the hole as hard as he can, but he doesn't do anything particularly well. And he only he ran closer to a 4'6, 4'5'7, 4'5'8. He's not going to be that fast once he gets past the second level. He doesn't have a ton of wiggle room. I really don't think. 
He is a guy, and on top of it, he doesn't have the nimbleness and the cut to stick his foot in the dirt on stretch runs and be able to cut up, which a guy of his size is kind of something you would be looking for. So I didn't even wind up comping him because there wasn't anybody in my mind that I thought was worth comping him to. I think Damian Harris is probably one of the most overrated players, uh, well, I should say one of the most overrated running backs in this draft class you're going to hear a lot about. A lot of people are going to like him. I'm telling you right now, he is a backup running back and I really don't think he's going to be much more than that throughout his career. Now, having said that, Daryl Henderson, a lot of, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to wind up repeating myself. A lot of these guys have a lot of wide-ranging opinions on them. Daryl Henderson is another guy who's like that. He's somebody who is getting a lot of love early. Lately, it seems to have tampered off a bit. A lot of guys are coming off and saying now they don't think he's going to be quite as good. Uh, they think he's just fast, not really much else. I I disagree with all of that. Uh, my comp, he's one of my two guys I think could become a star in the NFL. My comp to him was Devontae Freeman. He has great explosiveness, not to mention he has natural hands. Now, he wasn't asked to catch the ball a ton coming out of Memphis, but when he did catch the ball, he was hard to bring down because while he's only 5'9", he's 200 pounds, but he's a built 200 pounds. He's a stacked 200 pounds, which is why I compared him to Devontae Freeman. Devontae Freeman is a smaller running back, but he's built to be able to take on punishment and be able to break through arm tackles especially. Daryl Henderson is built in almost the same exact way. And when you're that small, but you're that compact and that muscular, I don't worry about you being a guy who's not going to be able to break tackles or be able to get hit that often. Daryl Henderson is a guy who you're going to be able to give the ball 15 to 20 times a game and be okay and, and know that he's not going to be a greater risk of being hurt than anybody else would be at the position. It ran a 4-3-7. The guy's explosive. And he's strong. He benched 22 times. That was amongst the top three running backs in the entire draft class on the bench press, too. It goes to show you how strong this guy is. He's, an, he's a home run threat waiting to happen. My one thing that I would say he definitely needs to work on that's not quite up to Devontae Freeman-esque is that when he goes on a stretch run, the kind of like a zone run there, he doesn't just stick his foot in the dirt and go. He seems to have to kind of round off his runs a little bit in order to start getting north and south after moving east and west. I really think for him, it'd just be more of a fundamental thing that you'd be able to teach him. Really shouldn't be that difficult uh, for a guy of his athletic ability to be able to teach him, like, here's where you can kind of just stick your foot in dirt and help you get north and south immediately. Because as soon as he gets that down, I don't know if you're going to be able to stop him, especially if he winds up on a team that's going to be running more of a zone type of run, which is a lot of teams nowadays. So I think Daryl Henderson really could be a star in this league. He can do everything you ask, and he's explosive as all hell. David Montgomery is my second and last player that we're going to talk about as far as the running backs are concerned I think could be a star. My comp to David Montgomery was Kareem Hunt. Now, one of the things I have heard quite often, and I'm glad people have pointed out, is that the offensive line of Iowa State was notoriously bad. So he didn't have a, a lot of increases in order, a lot of increase, a lot of creases. Man, I can't even talk today. I'm so excited just to get into this episode and get all of this information out to you guys. He didn't have as many creases as he really probably should. This guy is probably the best 
pure running back of this class. He has the NFL-level type vision. He's not overly fast. He ran only a 4.63, but that's why it kind of reminds me of Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt only ran a 4.6 when he was coming out as well, but it was kind of similar where he's a guy he's built strong at 5'11", 216. He's going to be able to break tackles, but he has excellent vision and he has an excellent ability to be able to cut and go from east and west to north and south in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. He's going to do very well in the NFL. He has a nice little jump cut. You can see the hole really well. We don't know how great of a pass catcher he is only because he wasn't asked to do it as much. But to me, on the few times that you did get to see him catch the ball, it seems to me like he has natural hands. So I do think he is getting underrated in his pass catching ability. There wasn't He didn't look like he fought the ball. Uh, his route running could get a little bit better, sure. But he wasn't a guy who was fighting. The biggest thing I look at is fighting the ball. Do you do you pluck the ball out of the air? Do you naturally let it glide into your hands? Or do you look like you're constantly trying to like spot the ball, see the ball, put your hand on the ball? And when you see guys, you can see them doing it where they like they'll put their eye on the ball, they try to see where the ball is going to be, and they kind of like try to like push their hands out and snap their hands in order to try to like catch the ball because they're trying to pluck it and they're just fighting it the whole time. He's not doing that. He is a natural pass catcher. I think he'll be fine in the next league. I think he's a guy who can be an all-three-down type back for somebody. My comp, Like I said, my comp to him is Kareem Hunt. I do think if he gets an opportunity, he can be a starter for a very long time. All right, one more player, and then we're going to go to another break and get the rest of the running. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Backs on the other side. The guy I want to talk about next is Devin Singletary because he's kind of in the same light of David Montgomery in a sense of that's the type of player he is. Also ran a 4-6, more of a guy who's going to try to make a cut, try to see the hole go, but he's just, he's not as athletic. He doesn't have quite that wiggle through the line of scrimmage that I feel like is going to allow him to break tackles the way I think David Montgomery will be able to break tackles. Um, and, and one of the reasons why I went on to talk about those guys who you can tell cannot or I shouldn't say can't, but have a hard time catching the ball because they seem to fight the ball when they try to go to catch it. Uh, Dave, Devin Singletary is that guy. He's not going to... First of all, he only had six catches, I believe, in his entire college career, uh, starting, that is, to begin with anyway. Wasn't asked to do it a whole hell of a lot. But I think part of it was because he's just not a natural pass catcher either. 
he was their best. He was Florida Atlantic's best player by far, for sure. He's a guy who proved that you could hand the ball off to and that he could take it, you know, 20, 25 times. I think he would actually fit really well if he could be in a Shanahan type of zone run scheme. Maybe Sean McVay, to a lesser extent, runs kind of a similar zone type of run where if he's asked to just stretch and cut on a consistent basis, I do think he could be good. I was talking about, I was talking to someone about this the other day, and really, Devin Singletary reminds me a lot of Salvin Young. For those of you who don't remember, Salvin Young was on Denver back when Mike Shanahan was still the coach, and all of a sudden came out of nowhere and was like the number one fantasy running back for about a month period of time. And all he and he was a guy who went undrafted, and he pretty much had the same skill set. I think Devin Singletary has, where he kind of ran a four six, wasn't super explosive, but understood when to cut in a crease and cut it up and get upfield for four to five yards. And I think Devin Singletary kind of has that mentality, has that ability, but I don't think he's a guy who, if he's not in that system, will be able to be highly productive or be a starter uh, at any point soon to make him uberly fantasy relevant but maybe somebody who due to an injury might get an opportunity at some point in his career but I wouldn't be drafting him in either redraft or dynasty leagues oh that was something I forgot to say before we go to break real quick um Daryl Henderson David Montgomery none of the guys I've talked about so far I believe truly have redraft value this year I think David Montgomery is the closest one depending on if he gets drafted by a team where he would actually have an opportunity to start right away but as far as Daryl Henderson goes and the rest of the guys uh while I think Darren Henderson is definitely worth a dynasty draft pick for sure, I don't think he's going to get his opportunity to play on a, on a consistent basis right away. So that's why I think he is worth a dynasty pick, but I don't believe he will be worth it in redraft leagues for this season. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break right here. We're going to get back to the rest of the running backs on the other side. Radio Public is the preferred podcast app of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. For every listen, Radio Public pays the show $0.25 cents each time. All of that money gets put directly back into the show to enhance your entertainment and the information you receive. All right, back on the other side, we have the rest of the running backs to get through, and then we have the wide receivers. So getting back here, we have Dexter Williams. That's somebody who you're probably going to hear a bit about leading into this. He seems to be a guy that is high on people's sleeper boards as far as fantasy football purposes uh, go. There's absolutely nothing special about Dexter Williams for you to take home. 5'11", 215, ran a 4'5", 7. He doesn't possess great power. He doesn't get low. doesn't have that center of gravity to make you think he can bust through in a short yardage situation all that well. On top of it, he's not even really that explosive. Uh, my biggest knock on him, though, would be that he does not have NFL vision. He just simply does not. He does not see where the hole develops, where it goes. If you call a run play to hit the A or a B gap on the right or the left, he is going to run there, come hell or high water, and not let the offensive line naturally develop on its own at any given point. To me, I don't think this guy is going to be in the NFL for long, quite frankly, and I've found a hard time why people seem to like him enough to put them as their main sleepers. The most common, I didn't comp him myself, but the most common comp that I have seen out there is Rashard Mendenhall. I want to point out Rashard Mendenhall was another 15 pounds heavier and had vision. 
Uh, that was the biggest difference between him and Dexter Williams. So Dexter Williams is somebody who I would let somebody else make a mistake on. You're only going to be talking about him in dynasty leagues anyway, not in redraft leagues. But it's not somebody who I'm going to look to take a flyer on with your dynasty picks. Next up, though, we got Josh Jacobs, who is widely considered to be the number one running back of this draft class. And I disagree wholeheartedly. Probably should have already known that when I said that there's only two superstars in this class, and I already talked about them. Look, Josh Jacobs, to me, is Jeremy Hill. I think if he's put in the right situation where he can be a compliment back, because I don't think he gives you anything on third down. So if he can be a compliment back where he gets to work on first and second down and he gets to work near the goal line and in that role, in his timeshare with somebody else, I think he can be productive early on in his career, kind of like Jeremy Hill was. But... Also kind of like Jeremy Hill, I don't think he actually has an NFL skill set that will prolong his career for a long period of time to be able to be a perennial starter. Uh, I think if he's not in that right situation or uh, doesn't is, isn't able to develop his vision because he's another guy who I do, do not feel as though has NFL quality vision, uh, I do think he will fade fast. So I, I hold out reservation because I do think he's going to be I do think there's a good chance he's drafted as the highest running back in this draft class. I do think teams are going to look at him and see a guy at 5'10", 216. Uh, he didn't run in the combine, so we don't know what his 40 was there. But a guy who's known for being more of a powerful type back, more powerful than his size would suggest. I do think someone's going to take him with the idea that he could be a first and second down guy that they can bring in to be their compliment guy, to bring in to be their goal line guy, to bring that physicality into their team and may give him an opportunity to try to play earlier on in his career. I think of all the running backs, he may be given the first opportunity to try to have redraft value this year, but I don't think he's going to have much this year. If he has any kind of value, I do think it would be in year two, year three, but this is not a guy who I expect to be fantasy relevant or even NFL relevant for a long period of time. He just doesn't have the skill set. I don't think he has the vision. He definitely does not have the super explosiveness. You're leaning on his power ability to be a a guy who's going to wear you down in that type of way on first, second down and goal line situation. And I just don't think he is overly powerful where that's going to hold up in the long run either. Like I said, when you, I can't stress this enough. When you watch the tape, I just don't see the vision. I don't see this special quality to make me think this is going to be an NFL starting running back for a long time to come. I would really steer away from Josh Jacobs. He's probably going to be the top dynasty running back taken off the board. If, if you're not in startups, uh, you know, make sure that's clear. Uh, it's just a guy who I really kind of stress, stay away from. He doesn't have an over-the-top skill set. Let someone else make that mistake. Let someone else overdraft him. He's really not worth that top pick. Like, I think a lot of people are going to suspect that he will be for Dynasty Leagues. Next guy up is Justice Hill. I've heard a lot of things about Justice Hill. He is explosive. 5'11", 190, ran a 4'4", uh, at the combine. My comp to him was Amir Abdullah. Kind of, so Amir Abdullah was a little bit smaller, but very explosive type of runner, uh, running back. Not a guy who's going to break a lot of tackles or get through the line of scrimmage and then bounce off a guy and then break one out the outside. He's a guy who needs a clear path in order to be explosive. 
or catch the ball. I do think he could have some value catching the ball on third downs where he could catch the ball, get one-on-one with a backer, one-on-one with a safety, and be able to take it to the house that way. He is going to be explosive in that sense. So I do think there's a role for him in the NFL, and therefore in PPR, I do think he could offer some fantasy value for you in dynasty leagues. I don't think he'll get his opportunity this year because he's not a good blocker. So he's not going to get a chance very early on in his career unless he develops that part of his game. But I do think he's a guy who offers you something on special teams, could be a bit of a returner. And if he gets a better opportunity than Amir Abdullah did in Detroit, I do think he could have a third down role on somebody's squad. But he's definitely more of a... Uh, late flyer guy who has some explosiveness to him if he winds up in the right situation come draft time than a guy who I would say definitely has a wide, unique skill set that you're definitely going to want to have on your teams. I kind of say it that way because... He's a guy who I feel like I've been hearing quite a lot about as of late as as a sleeper guy or a late flyer guy that people seem to really, really like. Other than him, yes, being explosive when he gets to be one-on-one or there's a clear path made for him, I don't know if he's a guy who, to me, I feel like will definitely be in the NFL for a long period of time. I could definitely see a scenario where he's gone or on someone's practice squad in two years. I could definitely see that as well. So just a guy keep in mind, it's gonna he's gonna greatly depend on what situation he winds up in. Will he be anything more than a special teams player or not? The next guy we got we have to talk about is Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders gets entirely, entirely, way too much goddamn love. I don't know if it's the Penn State running back thing. No matter, I mean, Saquon Barkley was great, but if this goes back even further to Saquon Barkley. When you're a running back at Penn State, you automatically get some kind of love from somebody. I don't understand it. Miles Sanders doesn't do anything that well. Everything about him is adequate. He has adequate power. He has adequate vision. He's not a pass catcher. He's not big enough to be an elite bruiser. <coughs> Excuse me. This guy is probably the most overrated running back in this class period hands down watch his tape he's 5'11 215 he ran a 4.5 I was shocked shocked he ran a 4.5 and forced me to go back and watch the tape again to see if I saw that because to me he looked like a guy who doesn't run any faster than in the mid four sixes because what he I on the few times that he would actually get to the second level, he was hawked down by multiple guys immediately. He just doesn't have that speed to get down the field. He's a guy who at best you're hoping, you're hoping gets you like three to four yards of carry and falls forward and is that type of guy. But I don't think he has that kind of vision or that kind of power to be even able to do that on a consistent basis. Like imagine Peyton Barber, what he is to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, basically, he's that guy who falls forward for three to four yards and makes himself serviceable in that way. I think Miles Sanders is a guy who might fall forward for two yards in the NFL. He is nothing more than a backup. That is it. Period. He doesn't do anything that well. There's nothing special about this player. I watch the tape. I don't understand it. To me, he's just another dime a dozen running back who's not going to be in the league for very long. I do not understand what anybody who actually likes Miles Sanders a lot is watching. No clue. I watched a lot of this guy's tape. I watched him against bad competition. I watched him against good competition because I kept hearing good things about Miles Sanders and I kept waiting to see what it was that made him stand out from anybody else and there's nothing. There's nothing. Let someone else make that mistake. He's a very, very below 
average, all-around type running back. Now, maybe it's because they think he can do a little bit of everything, but he really can't because he's not a pass catcher. I'm telling you, just stay away from Miles Sanders. There's nothing special about this guy, uh, and I will stake my reputation on that. All right, the next guy we're going to talk about out of Miami, Travis Homer. Travis Homer, I think he's going to be more of a special teams guy. He's a guy who's going to get drafted. He's from Miami. I think I think it's kind of the thing with Penn State, too. Like I think if you're from Miami, you're a running back, you automatically get a certain amount of attention, whether you deserve it or not. Um, he's 5'11", 195, ran a 4'4", 8", as his official down. He, he's nothing more than a third down guy. Uh, he does has shown his ability to be an able blocker, so maybe he gets an opportunity sooner than well, some of the other guys would, and he's a decent pass catcher. But other than being that third down role, he's never going to be the guy you're going to hand the ball off to even 10 times a game. My comp to him was Corey Clement, and I I was I should say Corey Clement light because I don't even think he's really going to demand 8 to 10 carries the way Corey Clement did this past season. Uh, Corey Clement in the sense that he's going to be a special teams guy. I think he's a bigger third down typical type of running back, and that's what he's going to kind of need to be. But Travis Homer is not somebody who I'm really worried about drafting in any kind of fantasy format that for Dynasty I'm talking about. Definitely not redraft. Dynasty I'm talking about. He's a guy who I'm just going to kind of leave out there, and maybe if someone gets hurt, he might have a couple-week span where he's you know, validated in PPR in some kind of capacity, but that, that that's about it. Another guy I keep hearing a lot about as a sleeper guy, I would ignore it. Let someone else take him as their sleeper. He's nothing you're going to really uh, miss out on if he does wind up doing anything from a fantasy perspective. The last guy we're going to talk about here, I do think has a little bit more upside in Travion Williams. My comp for Travion Williams was blah pal light in the sense that even... I think he can do a little bit of everything. He's 5'9", 200, another guy who's that small but a little bit more compact, not as worried about him taking a bunch of hits. Uh, he definitely runs tougher than his size would suggest. And I would say watching the tape, I think he plays faster than the 4'5", which is just like, I I would definitely think that watching them on tape, I think Travion Williams is definitely faster than Travis Homer, who ran a 4'4", so I think I think Trayvon Williams plays when he plays. I was surprised he didn't run at least in the mid fours. He plays that way. He gets up. Uh, I think he could be a possible complement to somebody. He's a decent blocker, so I think he's going to get his opportunity to play a little bit earlier than most. Nothing elite about him, like. He, even though he plays faster and he runs tougher, uh, he's not a guy who's just going to light the world on fire in any kind of skill part of his game at all, which is why I kind of say he's below Powell Light, because I think he's going to be a compliment who can come in on a team and really be able to do a bit of everything for a team and do everything they ask for and do it well enough to be on the NFL level. I think Trayvon Williams will be a compliment running back. I keep saying that, but he will be. Um, a back, a good backup running back, a good platoon running back at some point. I think definitely did not redraft, but I think he does have some dynasty sleeper potential here as a guy you might want to keep your eye on. Okay, we're going to take a break right here, and then we're going to get into the receivers of this podcast. Do you wish there was a simple, dedicated website for fantasy football information that has projections, rankings, records, and more? Well, say no more. The MD Fantasy Football website has everything I just mentioned, plus extra pieces of information like a free agent tracker, scouting combine results, and the upcoming NFL draft order. Just go to www.mdffshow.com. 
All right, now that we have the wide receivers to get into here, definitely the largest of the positions that we have talked about as far as the amount of players that we're going to talk about on this side of it. Uh, Overall, with the wide receiver class, I was quite pleased for a wide receiver class that had been coming into the draft kind of with the note that there wasn't any big-time talent, not necessarily a bona fide first-rounder. I found myself disagreeing with that wholeheartedly. I think there's three wide receivers in this draft class that belong in the first round, and there's a number of other guys later on that I do think may find themselves into getting fantasy value. And of course, I have my disagreements with the guys who I think will be busts that seem to be rated pretty high as well. So let's get into the first player of the wide receivers that we're going to talk about, which is A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is probably the safest, most complete wide receiver of this draft class. Doesn't have the highest potential mark, but I do think he is the safest, most NFL-ready coming into the league from day one. My comp for A.J. Brown was Anquan Bold. Now, Anquan Bold is a little bit taller because A.J. Brown is 6'1", 230, but his 230 big boy, big strong boy, kind of reminds me a lot of Anquan Bolden, who is nothing but ripped, big could play in the slot, could play in the outside. A.J. Brown did the same thing in Ole Miss. He played in the slot. He played in the outside. He's going to use his body and his physicality to get open on guys more so than his route running and his speed, which he does need to polish up his route running a little bit. But of the wide receivers, I do think A.J. Brown is one of the best route runners coming into the league uh, of this draft class. So I don't think he's that far away, but I think playing the slot quite a bit actually helped him. And he's a guy you're going to be able to move around inside and outside. And he has enough speed where he's going to be able to beat up corners with his physicality and he's going to be able to get past some guys. Not everybody, but he's going to be able to get past some guys and beat guys deep when he has his route running. He's able to make his head fakes and get separation. He has enough speed to get separation. That's probably the most important aspect to your game that you need to be able to have in today's NFL, quite frankly. A.J. Brown has that. I just Like I say, he reminds me a lot of Anquan Bolden uh, outside of just being like a couple inches shorter, but he plays, he plays bigger than what you would think. When you watch him on the field, you would not guess that this guy is six one. You would think he's six three, six four, with the way he plays. He's just a load. He's a mismatch. He's just a natural mismatch because even if you're a bigger corner, you're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to jam this guy off the line. He's going to run you over. You're just not going to be able to do it. And if you're a smaller, faster corner, he's just going to use his body to box you out. He is a mismatch waiting to happen. I really like him a lot. Uh, I do think, depending on the situation, he's one of the few rookie receivers that could have some redraft value to keep your eye on uh, as well. But he will definitely have value in Keeper Dynasty Leagues uh, past this year. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. 
Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. For sure, definitely somebody you're going to want to draft and draft high. The next guy we're going to talk about is Andy Isabella. I've heard a lot about this guy, and... Frankly, before I was able to go back and watch the tape, because I definitely had to go back and watch the tape after I heard about who he was, because I clearly was not sitting around watching UMass games throughout the season, especially when I was doing this podcast for fantasy football for the NFL. Um, my big thing on Annie Isabel was that, oh God, is it just another white quick receiver that everybody's falling in love with because of the Patriots, Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman, and everyone had him go into the Patriots, and he was going to do this, and he was going to do that. Like, oh my, and that's all I kept hearing about, and all I kind of kind of wrote Andy Isabella off in my mind before I even watched the tape on him, which is my bad. I shouldn't have done that, because I went back, I watched the tape on Andy Isabella. First of all, I'm going to agree and disagree with a lot of people who are out there. Uh, I agree that he is a legitimate NFL wide receiver who is not, who's going to have fantasy value and going to have it sooner rather than later and is a guy who does shape up to have a pretty good career, I think, in my book with the skill set that he has. I disagree with the critics because he's not Danny Amendola. He's not Julian Edelman. He's not Wes Welker. He's not that type of wide receiver. He's not going to be a quick, small slot option type receiver that the Patriots like to use or anybody who tries to take him and try to use him in that mold. That's not what this guy is. My comp to Annie Isabella was Percy Harvin. He's explosive. He is a guy who can play on the outside. He can play the slot as well, but he's not going to be the guy you're just going to run option routes with over and over and over again. He's a guy you're going to put in the backfield. He's just a playmaker who you're going to want to put the ball in his hands in certain situations and let him use his big playmaking ability to his advantage. The guy ran a 4-3-1. He's 5'10", 190, so he's not super small. I think he is somebody who's going to be able to play the outside if you actually allow him to. I kind of wanted to say he was Brandon Cooks as well, but I think I like the Percy Harvin comp a little bit more just because I do think he is going to get forced into playing the slot uh, more than probably he should, but I think he's the guy who's going to get moved all around be used more like a playmaker, kind of like Percy Harvin was before. Unfortunately, he had too many concussions and, was, and had to exit the the NFL uh, early, but I this is a guy who's going to be a mismatch, and like I said, just keep in mind, anytime you hear somebody say he's Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman, that's not, watch the tape, that's not his game, he's a guy who wants to just beat you deep, he's not going to be a guy who's going to quick dink and dunk it, in fact, I think he's actually going to have to work quite a bit on his fundamentals and his route running in order to become a guy who could even be able to run option routes from the slot on a consistent basis. I do think it would be great if he added that to his arsenal, but I don't think that's the type of player that he is. 
he is somebody who's going to have fantasy value. I don't know if he'll necessarily be this year in redraft leagues. I don't think he's somebody going to watch the draft, but he is somebody who I'm going to have an eye on my waiver list if he's given an opportunity early, and definitely somebody who I would want in my dynasty leagues and be thinking about drafting as well. Anton Wesley from Texas Tech, 6'5", 200 pounds. I love my 6'5", 200 pound guys for the most part. My comp from him is Malcolm Brown. Uh, he didn't run. He didn't run the combine, so he didn't really get a great job look at what his forty is. But uh, he reminds me a lot of Malcolm Brown when I went back and watched his tape the way he runs routes. Uh, what I think his speed actually is, what I think is more of like a four six, uh, more than likely, but a a quick four six. If that makes any sense to you, where he's going to be quick off the line. He's not a he's not a big receiver who you're going to be easily able to jam and get underneath of. Like a lot of times, big receivers can have that issue. He's a guy who's going to be kind of quick off the line. He knows how to he knows how to use his hands. He knows how to get uh, cornerbacks off of his body. Uh, he's pretty good in that sense. He has some, definitely has some speed or at least some gameplay speed when he gets down the field. Like I say, it just reminds me a lot of Malcolm Brown. Has good ball skills. Uh, definitely will be right off the bat a good red zone target to be able to have. Uh, if nothing else, even his rookie season, they might want to bring him in in that role. Has a wide catch radius. Can really go up and catch it in anywhere the ball is thrown near to him. I don't think he'll be a wide receiver one. For a team, just like I don't think Malcolm, I think we could all agree. Like, if you remember when Malcolm Brown played, he kind of came in, was the number one receiver for the Chargers after Vincent Jackson kind of left and gone to Tampa Bay. And I think we can all agree that Malcolm Brown was really never sued to be a lead wide receiver for a team, but could be a very good compliment. That's what I think of Anton Wesley. I think he could be, I don't think he's ever going to be a wide receiver one for anybody, but I think he could be a very effective compliment if used in the correct way. Uh, for Dynasty, I do think he has a guy who's going to have some va- some value for Dynasty Leagues down the road. Uh, not for redraft leagues yet, but this guy will be fantasy relevant at some point in his career. All right, the next thing we're going to talk about probably has the most buzz out of any of the wide receivers, and for good reason, DK Metcalf. Really wish, really, and I know I'm going to echo a sentiment from a lot of people you've heard about when you talk about this guy, but I really wish he did not have that neck injury that got him hurt because it really would have been interesting to see how he would have finished with the statistics that he was on route to put up this past season. Because coming into this year, he is still a raw prospect, but he was very raw in college coming into this season. And it suddenly looked like in the first seven games, I believe, he played, it really looked like things were starting to come together where he was starting to look a little bit more polished, a little bit more like an actual wide receiver and not just an athlete. It really looked like his game was starting to come together and then he winds up getting hurt. So it's kind of hard to evaluate him in that sense. But my comp is Des Bryant. Uh, I, I love Des Bryant coming out, and the reason I comped him like that is because when I watch his tape, he's obviously he ran a faster forty than Des Bryant. But when I watch his tape, he runs angry. He runs mad. He runs his routes like he's going to take off the take off the guy's head who's covering him. That's how that guy runs. And it just reminds you so much of Dez when he first came out because that's how Dez ran. He gave 110% on each and every route, and it wasn't a route like, I'm just trying to get separation on you. It was like, I'm going to run through you and get separation on you on this route right now. And that's what DK Metcalf really reminds me of with the way he does it in that sense. So that's why I went with him. I think he might have the most upside of any wide receiver in this draft class because of the ridiculous athletic ability. I mean, as far as the speed-size combination, I think he's the closest thing to Calvin that we've seen. I mean, he's only an inch 
shorter than Calvin, but 6'4", 230, 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 
He he has to use his body more so the beat up corners on the inside. I don't see this guy as a perimeter wide receiver either in the NFL. I see him as a guy who's going to have to try to make his living in the slot. Uh, which is kind of why I say he's Golden Tate late, because he's built in that running back sense, but I don't think he's anything more than a slot-wide receiver. He did have a lot of injury concerns, a lot of hamstrings in the past. That's something you're also going to have to keep your eye on him. Uh, maybe if he develops his route running, he could be that slot, a decent slot receiver, kind of like what Golden Tate wound up being. But he's just he's somebody for where he's valued at. Like if, if he was a late, if you were gonna tell me that Debo Samuel was somebody who a lot of people were valuing in the fourth and fifth round, I would tell you that he is a sleeper. But because he's being valued in the second, third round, I think he's overrated there. I don't think that's where his value is. I don't think he has that kind of skill set and that kind of upside to say that he's a second or third round type of wide receiver. I think he's somebody who should go later on, definitely should be drafted, definitely has a skill set I could see him being utilized in the NFL, but not somebody who I would reach on or think or have a very confident feeling on as well because, his, like I said, his measurements just don't match up with what I watched on tape for him and I just don't think he's a natural pass catcher along with the hamstrings being a issue uh, the next guy we're going to talk about here is Deontay Johnson out of Toledo 5'11 181 ran a 4.53. this guy ha- is a classic example of a guy you're going to hear a lot about leading up into the draft process and there's not a damn thing special about him I don't think he's going to belong in the NFL for very long. He doesn't do anything that well. He's not that explosive, and it's evident with his 4.53 for being 5'11", 181. He doesn't run great crisp routes. He doesn't get great separation to think that he's going to somehow be a slot receiver or be able to at least get separation even though he's not going to explode past you. And he's not big enough, in my opinion, with the measurements that he, with the, you know, with the speed and the strength that he has or lack thereof to be able to make up for it. This is a classic example of a guy I, I hear I hear a lot about him. People seem to like him quite a bit. He was highly productive out of Toledo, which is probably why you're hearing quite a bit about him. But this is not a guy whose talent, I think, translates into the NFL in any kind of significant way. All right, so here's what we're going to do. we take a break here. I'm going to wrap up the rest of the wide receivers and then close out the podcast and let you know when the next episode you can expect to hear from me will be. Wondering where the MD's Fantasy Football Show is available? You can find the show on some of the most popular podcast medias like iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and many more popular podcast apps. Or go to the website www.mdffshow.com for the latest episodes. Alright, let's get this show on the road and close it out with these last few wide receivers we gotta get to. Man, I'm having a lot of fun talking about all of this analysis that I've went through on all of these guys to bring you here. So next up, we got Emmanuel Hall out of Missouri, 6'3", 195, ran a 4'3", blazer. My comp for Emmanuel Hall is Jaron Brown, uh, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals. He was a guy that we were all very uh, keen on, very excited by, because he's the prototypical size and speed, just like Emmanuel Hall. Incredibly unpolished running routes, really is nothing more than a deep threat go guy. Doesn't really show the the quick step, the body fakes, the hand 
fighting ability that you look for in wide receivers to be able to get off the line and make those extra moves, get the separation besides just going deep. Doesn't really show that. He is very, very raw. He's going to need time to develop. But he is somebody who I would consider a sleeper in dynasty leagues because I think he does have the ability to develop. Jaron Brown never wound up happening. I always thought he would have the ability to do so. It never really happened, unfortunately. But I do think Emmanuel Hall has the potential where if he can actually learn to play the fundamentals of the position on the NFL level, like I said, he's 6'3", he ran a 4'3", The guy's a big wide receiver. And the thing I like a lot about him is that he's a natural pass catcher. He's not like a lot of these other receivers that we've talked about here where I look on tape and I find them kind of fighting the ball when they're in midair. He is a natural pass catcher. He has natural hands. I think his hands are actually better than what Jaron Browns were coming out of college as well. So I think that's, that's one of the reasons why I think I give him a better chance to be able to develop possibly the fundamentals of the position. Somebody that I am kind of excited about. Look, he adjusts the ball in the air. Like I said, he played in Missouri. So all those Drew Luck people out there, we talked about Drew Luck in the last podcast from a couple of weeks ago. Make sure you go back and listen to that. But all those Drew Luck lovers out there who want to talk about how he belongs in the first round, if you really want to evaluate Drew Luck, don't watch Drew Luck on tape. Pay attention to Emmanuel Hall. Watch Emmanuel Hall's tape. And Emmanuel Hall's tape will tell you all you need to know about Drew Luck. Because one of the things that I saw Emmanuel Hall be able to do, and it was incredible, was that the amount of times the ball was thrown behind him that he would have to adjust, twist his body midair, and be able to make the catch, and did so on a consistent basis, really, really impressed me about Emmanuel Hall, which is one of the reasons why I do think he does have quite a ceiling, quite potential to be fantasy relevant and NFL wide receiver for years to come because he just has that natural ability to be able to adjust and make tough catches in traffic because he had to do it on a consistent basis. I cannot tell you how many times I watched his tape, how many times that ball was thrown behind him, how many times he had to make an awkward catch while getting hit because his quarterback sucked. And that is a big reason why I am not a Drew Locke fan like everybody else is. That's all I'm saying. Focus in on Emmanuel Hall when you go to watch Missouri tape. And that will tell you all you need to know about Drew Locke and his ability to be a quarterback and put the ball in a place where his receivers can make plays time after time. That's why I give Emmanuel Hall a lot of credit and why he is high on my sleeper list. Next receiver I want to talk about here is Hakeem Butler. Out of Ohio State, 6'6", 225, ran a 4'48", which was very surprising to me. My comp for Hakeem Butler is Kenny Britt. I do think he has the potential to be a legitimate number one wide receiver for a team out there. The way Kenny Britt, well, Kenny Britt was a budding star before he had all his off-the-field issues and he was injured. He was a budding star on his way up before he had some setbacks. Hakeem Butler's really reminds me a lot of his type of talent where he's kind of taller, lankier, faster than you expect him to be on top of being a long strider and will jump over anybody and go get the ball. He's actually a little bit taller than Kenny Britt was as well. I do think Hakeem Butler is one of those guys who's going to be taken a little bit later on in this draft, maybe in the third round, but I could actually see having the skill set needed to become a number one wide receiver for somebody down the road. Uh, definitely needs to work on his route running in the short and intermediate part of the field. Doesn't have crisp breaks 
uh, out of his routes to give him the separation you're looking for. He's a guy who's going to have to take some time to develop that part of his game. But I do think he will be on the field sooner rather than later because of his big playability because how big he is for the red zone but he is a guy who wide strikes to me has the fluidity in his athleticism to be able to develop those skill sets that he's going to need for those route running capabilities to become a number one wide receiver I think that I definitely just I think the potential is definitely there with Hakeem Butler and would love him in dynasty leagues uh not so much in redraft for now next guy up is Jalen Hurd Jalen Hurd was, is definitely an athlete. There's there's no doubt about it. He could play running back. He's very, very raw when it comes to the wide receiver position because he hasn't been playing. He came out of high school. He was a running back in high school. I think he kind of just outgrew the position when he became 6'4", 217. Just kinda, you're, when you're that big, you're that tall, it's really hard to be a running back because it's hard to get as low as you need to be on a consistent basis in order to be effective and also you know not get popped because you kind of open yourself up to really take a lot of rib shots there, which is why he's kind of during the wide receiver position. My comp for him was Terrell Pryor, kind of for that reason where he's a fluid athlete who can definitely do whatever it is you ask him to. Can As long as he has the ball in his hands, he can make a play, period. Uh, but he has to learn the fun. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner fundamentals of the position he's going to be a developmental project it's going to take a while to see if he even ever gets to where he needs to be at the nfl level in order to be a starting wide receiver but because he played in the slot he did get to experience that quite a bit in college he kind of played all over the field i do think he's a playmaker who will at least get a chance to be dynasty uh, to be fantasy relevant down the road not somebody who I necessarily would be drafting in redraft or dynasty leagues at all right now but somebody who I think is worth keeping your eye on a few years down the road which is why I wanted to mention him here next guy up is JJ Arkeja Whiteside Arseja Whiteside I know I'm butchering that I'm saying that wrong you know I'm talking about the big receiver out of Stanford 6'3 225 my comp for him was Riley Cooper because I think he's more of a big block first wide receiver who could be a wide receiver too, could be a complement wide receiver on an offense and maybe have some value in that sense. He's not a total bum. He's gonna have he's gonna be in the NFL, I think, for a while because he's gonna have those intangibles of being a bigger guy for the red zone, being a decent blocker down the field. He got to do a lot of that in Stanford already. Something that a lot of rookie wide receivers coming out are not gonna have that type of skill set. So I do think that's gonna find him on the field earlier rather than later, or at least give him the opportunity to do so. He didn't run the combine. Watching the tape, my guess is he wouldn't run any faster than a 4-6. Also another reason why I kind of comped into Riley Cooper because he's kind of a bigger but slower wide receiver. He's not going to beat anybody deep down the field. He might be able to win a 50-50 ball because of his size and because he does have natural catching ability, but it's going to be his intangibles and blocking and his red zone work that's going to get him on the field eventually. I think he can be a compliment wide receiver on a decent offense. Maybe predominantly a offense that likes to run the ball more so than pass as well. Um, 
I do think he's a little overrated in the sense of where people seem to have him going. A lot of people seem to think he's going to go in the second round. Um, if he gets drafted in the second round, he's, he's expected to produce as such or play in a timely fashion because he was drafted in the second round. I do think it's going to run into an issue because I don't think he's quite there yet. I don't think he has a special enough skill set as far as actually being a wide receiver and being productive and receiving stats that will land him on being fantasy relevant anytime soon. So I would I would caution you from drafting him too early in dynasty leagues. But if he's later on and he's valued there, I do think he's somebody who's worth taking because I do think he's somebody who's going to be in the league for a while and be fantasy relevant. Just not going to be super exciting. The next guy we're talking about, Kelvin Harmon, kind of in a similar light. I call him Devin Funches light. It's another one of those guys where I call him late. I really should call him Devin Funches super extremely light, poor, super poor man version of Devin Funches. Um, he's a bigger guy, 6'3", 214, ran a 4'6". He's not as big as Funches was, obviously, but he kind of plays in that similar way. He just, he just reminds me of the way he runs route and a really similar mindset. A lot of people really love Calvin Harmon. I am not a Calvin Harmon fan. Uh, obviously, with my with my comp saying that I don't even think he'll have anywhere near the productivity that Devin Funches has been able to have, and even his has been limited, and that's why he's on the Colts now and off of Carolina. I just don't see the specialness of this guy. He fails to get separation on a consistent basis. He's never going to beat anybody deep. He has to use his body to box out in order to make plays on the ball. Now, he has good hands. He is a natural pass catcher for sure, and he can make almost every catch while being covered because pretty much he had to. Because he never seemed to get separation on anybody because anybody covering him, whether it was good competition, whether it was bad competition, always had a corner or a safety in his hip pocket at all times. He did come up with a lot of spectacular in-traffic catches, uh, 50-50 balls. He did come up with that. So he has good hands in that sense, so I do want to give him that. But his lack of ability, I think, to ever really truly be open really makes me question as to whether this guy's ever going to be a starter on the field or be in a point where he's going to actually be fantasy relevant. You're going to hear a lot about his name. He's a highly rated wide receiver. I just, I don't see it. If you're in dynasty leagues, I let someone else take him. He's not a guy to me that I think will ever be anything more than a wide receiver four on a depth chart. I just don't think he has the talent at the NFL level, quite frankly, watching the tape. There's nothing really special about him that stands out other than his ability to catch in traffic because he can't separate in the first place. Next guy up here is probably one of my favorite receivers, and he seems to get mentioned in passing lately. Like there's a lot of talk about AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, but the guy who I think might actually have the best redraft value right away is Marquise Brown out of Oklahoma, five ten, one sixty eight. Uh, didn't see who get that got the run in the combine, but the guy's a blazer. He's fast. There's there's no doubt about it. I don't I don't really need to, this isn't a guy who I need to see run the forty to know that he's incredibly fast, and that would definitely run in the low four threes without a doubt. Uh, with without a doubt. Look, uh, my comparison. Antonio Brown, and it's not just because they're related. And I know a lot of people are I, the the most common comparison on him is Deshaun Jackson, and I, I understand that comp. I, I don't think that's a bad comp in any kind of way. But I'm going to I'm going to make more of a little more bold prediction. I'm going to take a step out on the ledge. I'm going to take that leap of faith 
And I'm going to say he's Antonio Brown because the reason why I comp to Antonio Brown other than Deshaun Jackson, like a lot of other people have done thus far, is because I think he runs better routes than Deshaun Jackson did coming out of college. He's a little bit more crisp, a little more assertive in his route running when he goes to make his breaks. So it's not just his speed that's really good. It's his separation ability on top of his speed that makes him such a dangerous wide receiver. The same reason why Antonio Brown is so dangerous because Antonio Brown, he's not just a burner. He's not just going to fly past you or run by you. He his route running is incredible, and the moves that he makes, the head fakes that he has, the hands that he has in order to get you off of him in the line of scrimmage. That's what makes him so dangerous: his ability to play inside and outside. The fact that he's going to separate you on the route tree and then burn you after he gets the separation. Marquise Brown really reminds me a lot of him. Now the 168 thing, he is a little bit small, but he is a guy who I think is just so fast and already polished enough with a good mentor and his uncle and Antonio Brown, or I believe his cousin actually, that I think he understands the game of football. He's going to be able to make sure he doesn't take too many big hits. He's not going to be able to take very many big hits at his size for sure, but he's going to be able to make sure that he doesn't have to take too many big hits and then he will be able to play the inside, play the outside, super explosive I can't really say enough about this guy. He's just so fluid. And I, I, I do think that while I think DJ Metcalf might have the most potential as far as just having the whole package, I think Marquise Brown could have the best career out of any wide receiver in this draft class. And I do think he is somebody, depending on the situation, might have some redraft value for you as well. All right, we got six more names we got to get through here. So let's get to them. And then the podcast will be wrapped up and I'll let you know when the next episode will be. So we got Macaulay Hardman out of Georgia. He's definitely a project at the end of the day. Fast, 5'11", 183, ran a 4'3", 3", definitely fast, but really just doesn't have any fundamentals when it comes to actually being a wide receiver and his route running capabilities. I do think he will offer a team special teams help right away, whether it's returner, whether it's covering kicks. Uh, so I do think that's going to give him a chance to be on an NFL roster for uh, a while, and we'll see if he's able to develop in a true wide receiver during that time. But as it stands right now, he's nothing more than a really fast guy, really fast athlete who will get to play special teams and maybe be like a fourth or fifth receiver, a guy who comes out there and run five receiver sets and just ask him to run deep and kind of take the safety out of the box kind of deal for it now. But something to keep your eye on. Next up, Nikhil Harry. This was another guy who I struggled I struggled with. I had to watch a lot of tape on this guy because I really could not get a feel for him. A lot of people love them. I, I'm definitely not in love with him the way a lot of other people seem to be. But I don't hate him in the way that I hate Calvin Harmon for as much as he's hyped. Um I compared him to Denario Alexander, if you remember Denario Alexander at all, coming out of college. Big receiver, had really good hands, just wasn't really a guy who was going to run past anybody. And when he had the ball in his hands, it has surprising wiggle. And it's the same thing here with Harry. Look, for as big as he is, he's 6'4", 213. When he has the ball in his hands, he actually has quite a bit of wiggle. He makes a lot of guys miss. It's not overly elusive. He's not like making jump cuts out of his ass where he can just whop up and make guys miss clear pass. Like he, He's just surprising with his cuts the way he's able to have his hand-eye foot coordination going for him. He's a little more elusive than you would expect. 
Um, I will say he's definitely a raw route runner, and he struggles in getting separation a lot of times, especially when he has to break to an out uh, when he's trying to make a hitch. He just he's a little slow on the break, and it, he really struggles to get separation on those. He's not going to be anybody deep. I was actually surprised when he ran a four five three. He's another guy who I thought would be closer to the four sixes because he's just not somebody who's going to be able to run past anyone I think on the next level he doesn't play with that kind of speed but he does have very good hands he is big he does have surprising wiggle when he does have the ball in his hands so I definitely think he's a he's got a better prospect than Calvin Harmon is but he's another guy who I think is overrated for where people have him going I don't think he's a second round guy I think he's more of a third round guy I think he'll never be anything more than a compliment type of wide receiver for a time with a certain role in a certain area of the field um I think somebody tried to compare him to Brandon Marshall. He's he he doesn't attack the ball in the same way. He's not as dominant of a wide receiver. He doesn't use his physicality in the same type of way. Uh, he's a big receiver who I think in his mind thinks he's like 5'10 because of the way he tries to move and the way he tries to elude people once he has the ball in his hands. So he's not a terrible pick, but he's not. You have to make sure you don't overvalue him in your dynasty leagues uh, in this upcoming draft. He's not a guy who is a must-have wide receiver early on. If you're looking to draft wide receivers early on in your upcoming drafts this uh, this year. Uh, next up is Paris Campbell. This is another guy who I think is getting incredibly overrated. Uh, my comp for him was Cordell Patterson. He plays a lot smaller than the size would suggest. He's six one two zero eight. He does. He plays like he's a 5'10", 180 pound guy. That's how he plays. I was not impressed with Paris Campbell. A lot of people really seem to like him. He ran a four three one. Yes, he's uber fast. Yes, he's definitely an athlete. I'm not denying that in any sense of it. But he's not a wide receiver. He's another guy, kind of like Debo Samuel, who I think would really be better off if he really tried to take the time going into the NFL to try to become an actual running back. I think he actually could have more of a future there. And other than Debo Samuel, I think if Paris Campbell actually became a running back, I think he could be a a viable, legitimate NFL running back if he really took the time to switch over to make that switch to that position. That's right. He fights the ball. When he tries to catch it, he's not a natural pass catcher. He's going to have a lot of drops in the NFL if he, if he continues to play wide receiver. I think he's much better when he catches the ball coming out of the backfield. Another reason why I think he should be a running back, not a wide receiver on the next level. He's a gadget piece. You can move him around. I think to try to get like a mismatch, you're going to try to make him a playmaker, a guy you're going to have a, sub, a certain sub package for to give him the ball and let him try to break a big play, which is why I compare him to Cordell Patterson. He reminds me a lot of Cordell Patterson in that sense where he's just very raw receiver in the raw sense of the word uh, and just a guy who maybe should switch over to running back. I think Cordova Patterson's finding that out now where he kind of made that switch a little bit in New England and saw some success doing it. I think if Parrish Campbell does that earlier on in his career, he could have a better NFL career down the road. I just don't think he's a receiver, uh, a true receiver down the road. I think he's going to have too many drops. He's not a natural pass catcher. He's just a playmaker. Uh, Riley Ridley the younger brother younger brother of Calvin Ridley definitely not as good as his brother but i do think he's still a legitimate good wide receiver in the next level my comp was actually his brother's teammate Muhammad Sanu because I do think he's a a bigger receiver who's going to have to play the slot he's not going to be super explosive ran about a four five eight so he's not going to stretch the vertical seam or anything like that but he's a guy who can play the slot runs very good routes has very good hands and could use his body as a 
one of the one of the big tight slot receivers that we're starting to see more and more now, kind of in the Larry Fitzgerald sense and that in that kind of mold with the way they use him in the slot. I think you could use Riley Ridley to get that mismatch on that smaller nickel corner uh, in that position. I do think he has that kind of a skill set. If he gets asked to play the outside, I don't think he's going to have much of a career as far as productivity goes. But if he can get on a team that recognizes that he's just a big slot receiver, I do think he's someone who could be interesting in PPR leagues down the road for dynasty value. Next up, we got Terry McLaren. Terry McLaren, I actually think, is a better prospect at the wide receiver position than Paris Campbell. Not saying he's a better athlete, not saying he's a better prospect overall, but a strictly wide receiver in sense, I think he's a better prospect than his teammate in Paris Campbell, who's going to be going way higher than Terry McLaren will. My comp for him was Ted Ginn Jr. Reminds me a lot of him. Look, he's 6'1", 205, ran a 4.35. He's definitely that traditional vertical wide receiver, take the guy out of the box, see if you can beat somebody deep on play action. Uh, will he develop his game? Will he be able to come more of a route runner? That remains to be seen. But he is a guy who's going to come in, walk in on a team right away, and offer a deep field bomb threat that you can kind of throw out there immediately. Will offer you something as far as special teams goes as well, somebody who I think where he's being valued at is somewhere where I think his teammate Paris Campbell should be valued at. Somebody who I keep my eye on there later on to possibly take a flyer on if you find yourself in that position. Our very last wide receiver of this podcast, one of my favorite guys, one of my favorite sleepers, Preston Williams out of Colorado State, 6'4", 210. Reminds me a ton, a ton of Martavius Bryant. That is my comp for him because he's a big, fast physical wide receiver. He's going to be able to come in right away as a deep threat on a a complement number two role. Uh, Definitely will be a red zone guy. He has to work on his fundamentals, just like Martavius Bryant did when he came into the league. He has to work on his route running. Uh, He has to work on being able to attack the ball a little bit better for how big he is, but he does do a decent enough job on deep throws, attacking the ball and getting those 50-50 balls in that sense of his game. Um, it's just the intermediate short routes when he has to come back to the ball and the hitches and the outs, and he has to be able to beat the corner back to the ball. He doesn't attack the ball in that sense, but if it's a 50-50 ball in the red zone or if it's a 50-50 ball down the field, he does a much better job going up, making the leap, getting that catch. He's a big physical wide receiver. I think this is a guy who's going to have fantasy value in some kind of capacity, whether he develops into a more complete wide receiver in Dynasty, whether he falls into a situation where he actually gets to be a deep down the field threat this year, which I think could happen with the skill set that he has in redraft or DFS leagues. This is somebody who I think is going to be fantasy relevant at some point, so keep your eyes on Preston Williams. Well, that wraps up the podcast, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. I know I throw a lot of content, a lot of information out at you with the running backs and wide receivers, but as far as quarterbacks, tight ends, running backs, wide receivers go, for fantasy purposes, we have touched on all of the guys that I believe will be truly relevant or guys that we need to talk about because they're going to be talked about and I don't think it will be relevant. I think we touched on all those guys I think really needed to be talked about. My next podcast will not be until after the draft, so a couple weeks away. We will do a draft recap where I will talk about every single player that I talked about in the quarterback and the tight ends podcast, and in this one, the running backs and wide receivers. Every player that we talked about, I'm going to recap what teams drafted them and whether that increased their value, decreased their value, or kept it the same. That will be in two weeks, probably that Monday or Tuesday. 
after the draft. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at MDFF Show and at MDFF Show for Facebook as well to get updates on when exactly that podcast is going to come out. And remember, I have the news alerts working 24-7 at MDFF Show on Twitter. Make sure you are following me there to get those free news alerts so you are getting the news faster than everybody else. It's also free, and I'm telling you right now, it's great. I'm getting the stuff, I'm getting the information out to you just as fast, if not faster than anybody else that you would actually pay for for a subscription to get that kind of news. So uh, I'm definitely getting it out there. Make sure you're following me there and check out the website, www.mdffshow.com for any updated news, all the research that you could possibly do, and the latest episodes, of course. I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I will see you guys in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Heat wave ahead. For four days only, it's the sizzling hot summer sale at JCPenney. Thursday through Sunday, shop select men's and women's tees in all new bright colors. Just $5 for her and $7.99 for him. Plus, pick up select Home Expressions bath towels, two for $7. All these deals and no coupon needed. Hurry in, but stay cool. These deals are sizzling. JCPenney. Offers valid 627 to 630. Exclusions apply. See store jcp.com for details. Heat wave ahead. For four days only, it's the sizzling hot summer sale at JCPenney. Thursday through Sunday, shop select men's and women's tees in all new bright colors. Just $5 for her and $7.99 for him. Plus, pick up select Home Expressions bath towels, two for $7. All these deals and no coupon needed. Hurry in, but stay cool. These deals are sizzling. JCPenney. Offers valid 627 to 630. Exclusions apply. See store jcp.com for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.